Pastor. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Excellent. It is such a privilege to be with you today. Um, we are so thankful to be part of Cross of Grace Church. I always like to start off and just take a moment and welcome you here, especially if this is maybe your first week or maybe you joined us for Easter services and that was sort of your first time here. Uh, welcome. As Pastor Chuck mentioned, um, we've just been here just a year as well. So if you feel new, uh, I'm new too, so we're in this together, all right? So uh, welcome again. So glad to have you here. This is a great church to be a part of. I, I always also like to take a moment and just thank those who serve in our church. I know that there's some folks even in um, our group today with some green shirts on. They serve with our children. Uh, there's people watching my daughters right now and teaching them God's word, which is a wonderful thing. Um, we got to experience an amazing time of worship just now. We got a team in the back making sure everything sounds right and looks right. Can we just appreciate those that serve in the church? I love that. Uh, so church, I'm, I, I, I am. I'm just so thankful to be a part of Cross of Grace. Um, one of the things that I love about you as a church, um, just everybody that we've been able to meet and are still meeting, is I just love your sincere and authentic faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the world doesn't need necessarily the most polished people. The, the world needs real Christians who love Jesus and just have a sincere faith. And so you encourage me in that. Um, thank you for being this kind of church that sincerely worships and loves our Savior. Um, I'm encouraged by that. And I also love being a part of a church that celebrates the resurrection in such a big way like we did a couple weeks ago at McKelligan Canyon. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that a great time of worship? I love that. So it's, it's funny because Pastor Chuck mentioned I'm a chaplain, and so two weeks ago, uh, I actually was leading a chapel service for soldiers on Easter Sunday, and I was extremely disappointed that I didn't get to be in McKelligan Canyon in El Paso on Easter Sunday. I can't imagine how incredible that must have been, but I love being a part, part of a church that goes big to celebrate our Savior. Isn't that good news? That's so great. I'm, I'm excited that Jesus is alive. That isn't something we celebrate once a year. It's something we celebrate all the time around here. And I'm super thankful for it. I wanted to pick up where we left off sort of on Easter. We're in this season, resurrection season. And um, I know we were in Luke on Easter Sunday. I wanted to uh, just share some words of encouragement um, from the resurrection, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke 24. Um, it's the second of the four Gospels in the New Testament. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen too. If you got your phone, you can swipe there. Uh, but we're going to look at Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. And um, I'll go ahead and read it here and you can follow along. Luke 24, verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you were holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these past days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at a table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Uh, This is God's word, Cross of Grace Church. So I wanted to ask this question, and I might, I might get a little bit of judgment for this, but I wanted to ask if anyone remembers the 2017 Super Bowl. Uh, it was the New England Patriots versus the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I am from Maine, so I am a Patriots fan, okay? This is the part I was talking about with the judgment. Uh, that Super Bowl was the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, so it may not mean you know, a lot to maybe everybody here, but it, it was important to me that day. I remember where I was in this game. I was in Colorado with my wife's family, so I was with the in-laws. Um, I really regret to say I was not the most godly person during most of that game. Uh, I wasn't exhibiting the character of Jesus, you know, as I was watching my team get beat really bad in this game. Um, it was the first three quarters were just bad. I was discouraged. Uh, the fourth quarter, they started to catch up, and I was stressful. My nieces were running through the hall. I'm like, hey, quiet. We're trying to watch the game, you know? And it was just a stressful time. It went into overtime. I was sweating. There was a couple times where I felt like I had to leave the room. And finally, it got to the point where the game was over, and the Patriots had won the Super Bowl in the most stressful of circumstances, okay? Uh, And they had won the game. Um, I bring that up today because I went through a range of feelings. I remember even talking to some friends about the game after the game, and they had even told me how they had shut the TV off in the third quarter, you know? I mean, they just gave up on it, and they said, I'm done with this. This is not making me happy. And um, they were pretty stressed out over it. And I bring this up Because we experience these kinds of feelings in real life often. I mean, maybe you're here and you're like, Chaplin, I don't care about the Patriots or the Super Bowl for that matter. Um, But maybe you're here 
and there's areas of life that you can point to and you say, yeah, for the first three quarters, it's kind of been discouraging. And I'm in the fourth quarter and I'm now just stressed out. And I'm not sure how this thing's going to end up. Maybe there's a family situation. It could be with a child or maybe in your marriage where you've just been discouraged. And it's felt like, man, it's felt like it's been a while this way. Maybe there's a job situation or in your finances where you, every day or every month feels so stressful. Maybe there's even an area of sin in your life that you, you've said to yourself, man, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I still struggle with this thing and I'm just discouraged. I'm wondering if I'm gonna get to the other side of this. You know, so often we can face those kind of circumstances. It's like three quarters of discouragement and then the fourth quarter only brings more stress. And we're wondering what's gonna happen. And like some of my friends on that Patriots game, sometimes we can be tempted, you know what, I'm just, I'm checking out. I'm, I'm checking out of faith, I'm turning it off, I'm checking out of following Jesus, because I just, this is just too much. And I, just, and I wanna go into these scriptures today, I wanna encourage you from Luke chapter 24, I wanna encourage you with the reality of the risen Savior today, because so often in life, I mean, that was just a football game, uh, and it happened to have a good ending, um, but you know what? Sometimes in life it feels like it's Friday and, and, and there's all kinds of death. But you need to know from our Savior, that's not the end of the story. He rose again on Sunday. Amen, church? And that is what we celebrate. And that's what I want to encourage you with today from the scriptures as well. You know, and so in this passage in Luke, picking right up from Easter Sunday, Jesus has just defeated sin and death. He rose again on the third day. And one of the first places we see the risen Savior is right here in Luke 24. And it's really this interesting story, isn't it? There's two people walking seven miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, we only know one of their names, Cleopas. We really don't know a lot about them. We don't even know the other person's name at all. Could be a spouse, could be another friend. Um, we, so, we know so little about this couple. And at the same time, uh, they're heading to Emmaus and, and they're leaving Jerusalem. And this is a little bit odd. Jerusalem was kind of, at this time, it was kind of the center of where God's activity was happening. The disciples were in Jerusalem. Jesus died on the cross and rose again in Jerusalem. Uh, you might remember that even Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this couple, it's like they're leaving sort of this place where God's people are and the center of his activity, and they're going back to Emmaus. And I really think it's almost this picture of, of them in some ways leaving faith, leaving Jesus, maybe going back to life before Jesus was a part of their lives. So there's this song about uh, this passage of scripture from a Christian artist I like to listen to. And there's a lyric from the song that says, two fools on the road to Emmaus, it might as well be you and me. Uh, the funny thing is when my mom hears this song, she thinks the lyric goes, or she's thought for a long time that the lyric goes, two fools on the road to a mess. It might as well be you and me. And I thought to my, I said to my mom, what is this, some kind of southern accent in the song? Emmaus, you know, like what is this? Is this what you're hearing in the song, you know? And so mom, if you're listening, I had to talk about that. But, uh, but you know, she's actually more right than what she realizes, I think. They were on the road to a mess. They were walking away from the center of God's activity and going 
going kind of to life before Christ in their lives. Just sort of leaving the faith in a sort of way. You know, and what's really interesting too about where they're heading to, Emmaus. You know, Emmaus is like this place where today we really don't know, we know it's seven miles from Jerusalem because the Bible says so, but we don't actually know, oh, this is the spot where Emmaus is. There's really nothing that has lasted from Emmaus that we would be able to locate it today. It's really kind of an interesting setup to a story. Two people, we only know one of them, and that person we don't even know very well, going the wrong direction, the opposite way, to a place that we don't even know where it is. There's so much insignificance about this whole setup in this passage. And yet in verse 15, this is what we find is it says, is while they were talking and discussing together, heading the wrong way, the Bible says Jesus himself drew near and went to them. Now, if I was Jesus' PR guy, you just rose from the dead, Jesus. We got to do this big, okay? So let's get the, I want to get the emperors together, you know, the religious leaders. Um, let's kind of like rent out the Colosseum, everybody, you know? And let's just have a big moment, ta-da, I'm alive again, right? And, but Jesus does something so different here. One of the first places he reveals himself as the risen Savior is to two people we don't really know going the wrong way to just a regular place that we don't even know today. And this tells us so much about the character of God. So often we think to ourselves, man, God, he, he wants to reveal himself to the uber spiritual people or the most powerful in society. You know, he's most concerned with the most important people in our world. But what we find in this scripture here today and really about the character of our Savior is that every person has significance to God. And if he would set aside in his schedule of being the resurrected Savior, he would set aside some time for a couple people we don't know very much, regular people, going the wrong way to just some ordinary place. Church, you got to believe Jesus has time to meet with you and me as well. Amen? This is who he is. And this is what we learn about our Savior. He's the God who knows us personally, loves us individually, and speaks to us even in those moments of places where we feel so insignificant. Maybe this, there's somebody here today where this is just for you today. Maybe you've just sort of felt like maybe the world or other people or somebody you work with has sort of treated you like you don't matter too much. You need to know the God of heaven and earth knows you, loves you, he knows even all the messed up stuff. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. That's who he is. We've been studying Ephesians. I love what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's masterpiece. That's who God says you are. You have so much significance to our Savior created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. That's who you are. This is who this scripture, that's what this scripture communicates to us about, about our Savior Jesus. Sometimes we, think, sometimes we think to ourselves, 
man, you know, when it comes to prayer and it comes to the things that I talk to God about, I have to just talk to God about the God-sized prayers. You know, I'm trying to pray about, you know, I got to end world poverty or we're, I'm praying for peace on earth because God doesn't want to hear about my own sort of issues or situations. I got to pray about the God-sized stuff. But, and, and that's good, by the way. We ought to pray that way. But what I love about this scripture is that every person is significant to God, and that means the things that are issues in your life or problems that you might be facing, they may seem small to you, but they're not small to the Lord. He invites us to share all those things with him. I love that about this passage and about our Lord. You know, other times we might think to ourselves, we have to have it all together before we can meet with God. Sometimes we think we have to have arrived in some sort of place in order to have a relationship with God. And sometimes, I mean, I find people that think this way is they say to themselves, once I clean my life up and I get my act together, then God will meet with me. But what we find in this passage is this couple is actually walking the wrong way. They're going to the wrong place. And the Bible talks us it's on this seven-mile journey. As they're going the wrong way, that that's actually when Jesus shows up to meet with them. And I think it's so interesting. Yeah, we can think so often, well, I have to have my life together before God will meet with me. And he's actually meeting with this couple when they're making the wrong decisions. Maybe you've had days where you've maybe had a fight with your spouse and you think to yourself, oh, man, I can't go to church now. I just had a big fight this morning. I can't show up in this kind of a situation. Or maybe you've thought to yourself, man, I'm still struggling with sin. God must want nothing to do with me. Or maybe you've had uh, thoughts like I've had sometimes where I think to myself, man, God must just be so disappointed in me because I'm not a good enough chaplain or I'm not a good enough husband or, or a good enough dad. You need to know it's as, it's as this couple's going the wrong way that Jesus stops and meets with them. And so you might be thinking to yourself, man, I've gone the wrong way a lot of times. And maybe you're in a season of your life right now where you're like, yeah, I've kind of been making the wrong choices, I'm going the wrong way, and there's something inside of me saying, this is not a good idea, this isn't gonna end well for me. Let me just encourage you, one of the works of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is to convict us of sin. You see, what Jesus does is he shows up as we're going the wrong way, and he's so good because he invites us to go a different way, in a better way. And you might think to yourself, well, I've sinned so much, God wants nothing to do with me, but that's a lie. That's exactly when Jesus is showing up and saying, no, 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 let me show you a better way because I love you this much. That's our Savior that we see here meeting with this couple on the road to a mess, right? And he meets us on the, that same road as well. So Jesus, he does, he, he meets this couple on the road to Emmaus, and I think God just has this great sense of humor here. Uh, this couple, they're involved in this personal discussion about everything that happened to Jesus over the Easter weekend, and so they're just, I mean, can you believe it? He died on the cross, we really had all these big hopes for this, and they're having this personal discussion, and then all of a sudden, hey guys, what you talking about? Like, whoa, hey, where'd you come from, right? I mean, that's funny right there, if you read that, that is pretty good. He says, hey, what are you talking about? And the Bible says in verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I mean, there's so much irony in this moment. Uh, they're talking about Jesus to Jesus, but they don't even know it's Jesus, you know? It's like they don't recognize him. You know, and as you keep reading, you find 
man, they're just so focused on their own discouragement, their own disappointment, that the very one that they're hoping in is right in front of them and they don't even see him. And let me just encourage you with this, friends. Even if there's a place in your life where you don't see God's activity, it doesn't mean he's not there. You know, maybe there's some things going on in your life and you're like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. You know, I remember when I was uh, on my first deployment with the Army, uh, I was 19 years old, I was in Iraq, and um, I remember it being one of the toughest years of my life. And it wasn't necessarily the toughest year of my life because of various traumatic events or things along those lines that you might um, think of when you think of a soldier serving in Iraq. For me, a lot of the challenge that I was facing was even just the fact of being away from home, being a 19-year-old kind of on my own. I was with a new unit, and I didn't have a good church that I was connected with overseas. And uh, sometimes I even felt guilty. It's like, why am I having such a hard time when I'm really facing um, some minor things compared to what some other soldiers might be facing on the same deployment? Um, and I just remember it was such a difficult season. And I had this theology kind of that I was beginning to form back then that when I was following God, everything in life would go well. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the fact that, how come things are so hard for me, but I'm doing the best I can to follow the Lord? And I was just so discouraged in that season, wondering, God, where are you? What is going on here? Why are things so hard for me right now? And I just remember it was through a time of going into the scriptures one morning, and I've never heard the audible voice of God, but this might have been as close to something along those lines that I had faced, uh, where I just was reading the scriptures. It was actually another sort of resurrection passage where God just revealed himself to me in a powerful way and said, Stephen, you know what? I'm with you, and you're going to be okay. Um, yeah, it's not easy, and there's things I'm doing in you that you don't even know right now. And I just remember just in a powerful way, just sensing the love of Jesus, sensing and understanding I'm not alone, uh, and even though I haven't seen God's hand or understood exactly what God was doing, it didn't mean he wasn't there. And friends, maybe you're going through some things today. Maybe it's something in a relationship. Uh, maybe there's a job situation going on. And you said, Javelin, it feels like God's not there. It feels like I'm kind of facing this on my own. But you need to know, and this is what's so important about understanding the resurrection. Um, we don't worship a dead God. Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, it means he is there. It means we, he is with us through everything that he's facing. He, he said that he would never leave us or forsake us. And this is something that we can trust in our Savior. We worship a God who is alive and we can approach him with whatever it is that we're facing. And so Jesus is walking with this couple, and they just begin to, you know, he asks this question to them. He says in verse 17, so what's this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And their response here is actually quite rude when you read it. You know, they're like, uh, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these last days? I mean, come on, are you dense? Do you read the paper, you know? Like, don't you realize what's going on? And they're just kind of rude to him. And I love what Jesus does here. Are you the only visitor who doesn't know what's happened here these past couple days? And Jesus just says in verse 19, what things? Like, tell me about it, you know? <laughs> I love that. I mean, he's not mad at them. He's not angry with them. 
He just says, tell me about it. What happened? He in, in, the church is what I love about the Lord is he just invites them to share their hearts with them in a powerful way. You know, Jesus isn't afraid of our discouragement. He's not afraid of our disappointments. Even when their discouragement and disappointment is based on even some bad theology, Jesus isn't afraid of that. He invites, hey, tell me about it. Talk to me about these things. And so he does. He asks them, what things? What's going on? Tell me about it. Oh, nothing, Jesus. It's cool. I got it. Not a big deal. I'm glad that's not what they said. But that's what we can say sometimes, right? I'm a soldier. I know sometimes how many soldiers can think about some of these things. No, I'm going to just handle this myself. I'm going to just keep this to myself. Let me encourage you. Jesus invited them. He invites you and me to share openly with him. And so that's what they do. They just launch into it. They're like, okay, this person, Jesus, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him, but we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. And we're going to talk about a little bit of what their misguided expectations for Jesus had been, but I don't want you to miss that phrase there, we had hoped. We had hoped. How are you doing today in the hope category? Is there a work situation where you're just like, God, what's going on with this? What's going on with my finances? I had hoped. Is there a family or a relationship situation? Or maybe for you, it's like, God, no, I want to be in a relationship situation. I had hoped, God, what's going on? Maybe it's a sin issue, like we said earlier. Maybe there's a sin that, Lord, I had hoped I'd be over that by now. They had hoped. So I remember um, a number of years ago when I was going through my first breakup, and uh, I was thinking about it as I was preparing for this, and it was almost a little bit comical how much that, now it's almost comical, like how much that had impacted me um, a number of years ago when I went through it. But at the time, it was my first breakup, and it, it, I was pretty shook. Uh, I remember where I was. I was in Portland, Oregon. If you've been up to the Pacific Northwest, and specifically Portland, it rains all the time. And I remember this one particular night. It's dark out. It's raining hard. Um, I mean, it's like a scene from a movie. I could hear, like, the 80s breakup songs playing, you know, in the background. Uh, and, and I'm just pretty mopey. I'm pretty sad feeling it pretty hard, and I just remember I went out for a walk, you know, just with no, no umbrella, just a raincoat, and um, again, it's a little comical thinking of it now how much, I'm, I may have been overreacting in some ways, but, <laughs> but I went out nonetheless, and I, again, I was just feeling it pretty hard that night, and um, feeling pretty sad, and I just remember I went out in the middle of the rain, in the middle of the night in Portland, Oregon, and I'm just walking, and I'm just praying, and I'm just sharing my disappointments, my discouragement, um, my frustrations with my Savior. And uh, it might have been a funny scene, actually, to see because, you know, a guy just walking on the sidewalk in the middle of the night, talking to who knows who, you know. And it might have been a funny scene, but thinking about it again in Portland, Oregon, maybe it actually fit in okay, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> that was me this night. But I just remember the Holy Spirit in a powerful way just laying on my heart that Jesus has always been my closest friend and will always be that closest friend in my life. And that he loves me beyond measure despite the rejection I might have been feeling. 
Let me just encourage you, if you're in some situations where you're facing feelings of hopelessness or despair, maybe discouragement, the Bible tells us in Psalms 34, verse 18, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Church, there's nobody better for you to share your heart with than with Jesus. You know, maybe you think to yourself, well, no, no, I gotta put on a brave face. Let me tell you, you don't gotta put on a brave face with Jesus. He knows about it anyway, right? You might as well open up your heart and tell him to it. And here's what I find, is every area of our life we open up to the Lord, those are the places of our life that we find healing. And that's what we need to do. So this couple, they left Jerusalem, they're heading for Emmaus, uh, they're discouraged and disappointed. Verse 17 even says they're looking sad. Um, that's just what they are. Because this, they had hoped that Jesus would overthrow uh, Roman oppression in their life. That's what they were hoping for. You know, you have to remember, too, this is the middle of Passover um, in Jerusalem. Passover is kind of like this reminder of what Moses had done with the people of Israel who were enslaved in Egypt. And so it's very much in the Jewish mind and in everybody's mind, man, this Messiah is going to come. He's going to overthrow Rome, just like Moses helped deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And it's in this moment that they're feeling this disappointment because they thought, well, you know what, though? He's the Messiah, and he died on Friday. So it's over. It's not going to happen. We're just stuck in the same government and rule of Rome, and it's, and it's just not going to happen. Meanwhile, they're walking with Jesus, and I love what Jesus does here. He just starts up a little community group Bible study right here on the walk, you know? I mean, if I was uh, seeing the community group sign-ups and one of the groups said Jesus is the Bible study leader, you know, I'm like, hey, sign me up for that group, you know, that's the one I want to be part of. In verse 27, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and things concerning himself. Jesus just opens up the Bible, starts a Bible study right here on the walk. And I don't know everything that Jesus said to them in this moment. Um, if I had to guess at what he had said or if I had to guess at kind of some of the content of what Jesus was talking about, I think he would have just began to speak to them about some of their expectations. You know, he might have said that you've been waiting and praying for someone who's going to overthrow the Roman Empire, maybe a lot like how God used Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. But I think Jesus might have begun to share with them in this moment, you need to realize the source of slavery and oppression isn't an empire. It's not Rome. It's not Egypt. It's not Russia. It's not China. The source of your oppression, it's not your family. <laughs> It's not your job. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not even uh, some of the difficult situations we might face with our, with our kids. The source of slavery and oppression in our lives is our wayward hearts towards God. It's the sin that wants to have power over our lives. And so Jesus is saying to them, I'm not going to just deal with a symptom uh, I'm not going to just deal with the symptom of the issue by getting rid of one empire just for another evil empire to come in and take control. I'm going to deal with the source of the issue. And so Jesus just begins to share with them how he had come not to just overthrow some worldly empire, but to actually establish a kingdom where people can find freedom from sin. Isn't that good news, everybody? 
You know, God, the Bible says he also began to open up the prophets. And, and the Bible talks about in the prophets how God promised one who would come and would give us a new heart. You know, uh, so often when it comes to our condition, a new heart is exactly what we need. I always tell soldiers, you know, vegetables don't taste bad. I mean, it's easy to eat vegetables when you don't think they taste bad right? Uh, God, what he does is he gives you a new heart that literally has new desires in your life. And so the things that were once pleasing but were sinful don't seem so appealing anymore. And God starts giving you a new heart where your desires are changing from the inside out. I think as Jesus was opening up the prophets and describing his work at the cross to pay for our sin and, and give us that new heart, I think he might have opened up to them possibly Isaiah 53, if you're familiar with Isaiah 53, here's what it says in verse 11. It says in Isaiah 53, 11, after he has suffered, which is Jesus, talking about Jesus, he will see the light of life. You see that resurrection language there? He will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Iniquities is like a big word for sin. He's going to bear their sin. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he'll divide, divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So in other words, he says, I'm dealing with more than just some kingdom. I'm dealing with sin itself. And he's giving his life on the cross in order to pay for our sin. So these two on the road to Emmaus, they thought, no, 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 no. Friday was bad. It was a bad Friday. The Messiah died. It's the end of our hopes of this new empire. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I was paying for the sin of the world on Friday. So that means it was a good Friday, everybody. And also, by the way, it's a hallelujah Sunday, right? Because he rose again on the third day. And so Jesus was beginning to share this with them and saying, no, there's so much bigger that was happening here, and it's so much uh, larger than what you had expected. And I love how Jesus sums it up with this question in verse 26. He says to them, didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So much bigger than that. Suffering and the cross was always part of his plan to pay for the sin of the world, to deal with the issue at its source, and then, and then to rise again on the third day and show his power to keep every promise that he ever made, that he's able to forgive, give a new heart and a new life, and resurrect our broken lives. Amen, church? Amen, amen. And so I think the message here that Jesus is sharing with them, and I think the message for us here today is just this, is that whatever you're facing in your life that is discouraging, maybe that thing in your life where you're like, it's been three quarters of discouragement and I'm in the moment of stress at the moment, you know? Whatever that thing in your life has been, it could be a job situation or it could be um, things with the government or uh, a relationship. Whatever that thing is, Jesus is saying the answer isn't just to get a new job that earns more money. And he's saying the answer isn't to just go out and find a new relationship with a new person. And the answer isn't just to continue, you know, just to try to forget about sin and pretend it's not there when it is. And none of these things are worthy of our hope. I think what Jesus is saying here is the only one worthy to put your hope in in any of these situations in our life is Jesus Christ himself. Amen, everybody? That's what he, I think, that's, I think, the message for us today is. 
If you're feeling hopeless or discouraged today, let me encourage you, put your hope in Jesus. There's no one better to trust your life with than with Jesus. And so when you're in the situation and you're tired of working that same job, and you think to yourself, God, I just feel stuck. I want to do something different. I want to make more money. Let me encourage you, put your hope in Jesus to provide something new possibly or to give you the power and the perseverance to make a difference where you are. When you're feeling dispassionate in your marriage, let me encourage you to put your hope in Jesus. He's able to change the heart of that other person. And he's also able to give you a love beyond yourself so you can love that other person well and your family well. When you're feeling the weight of your sin, put your hope in Jesus who forgives your sin and gives you a new heart and helps you resurrect parts of your life that you thought were dead. That's what Jesus does in our lives. And so this couple, they continue on. Uh, They get to the couple's home in Emmaus. They invite Jesus in for a meal. And I love Jesus here. He doesn't only do the Bible study. He's like, I want to make sure they get this. So he does an object lesson now, you know. So he takes some bread. Uh, They're sharing a meal. It's object lesson time. And he does with them what we've done so many times. Uh, Jesus takes some bread. He breaks it. And by the way, when we're receiving communion, we know what the bread represents, right? His body broken for our sin on the cross. He takes some bread. He breaks it. He gives it to these two. And as he gives the, the bread to these two, the Bible says it's at this moment. It wasn't during the Bible study. It's at this moment that their eyes were opened and they recognized, oh my word, we've been talking about you this whole time and you're alive, Jesus, it's you. It's in this moment that they realize this. And I don't know exactly how it worked, but my thought is this, just as he's handing that bread to them, and I think so much just like that disciple Thomas, is as he's handing them this bread, they look at him and maybe it's just then that they see the nail-scarred hands. And they realize, oh my word, what you did at the cross You're alive now because you were doing so much more than just trying to overthrow some empire. You were paying for my sin. And I think it's in this moment, they see him risen again. They say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you. I want that work that you did at the cross to apply to me. The Bible says the very next thing that happens after they recognize him, the Bible says the very next thing that happens is he vanishes. It's like, boom, he's gone now, you know? And I always thought to myself, well, that's a little odd. They just had this moment. Uh, but here's what I think is happening is just like a good soldier, I think it's like, nope, mission complete. Like, this is what I was trying to come in here to do. A couple discouraged people who matter to Jesus, by the way, going the wrong way. He comes with them, explains to them the gospel, the, the, the meaning of what he was doing at the cross and that he rose again. And they got it. So he's like, I'm done here. I'm out of here, you know? And they do. Their hopelessness turns to joy because they get it. And so church, as we close today, um, I want to give you a chance to respond uh, because just like I talked about at the beginning with that Patriots game um, and some of the feelings that we face, even just in life, uh, it might be the fourth quarter and I might feel very stressful, but just like, it felt stressful potentially on Friday. The story is not over because we know that Jesus rose again on Sunday. And you need to know, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working in the Christian's body as well. 
And so you need to know for your life in those areas, it's not over for you either. So I want to give you a chance to respond. I love this couple because the Bible tells us in verse 33. So they recognize Jesus. Boom, he vanishes in their sight. And the Bible tells us, and they rose that same hour. So they get up out of their seats after this meal. And they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. I love that. Right in verse 33, it says they got up that same hour. Like you just got home. Just sleep at night, you know. No, they're like, we're going back to Jerusalem now. You remember what we said earlier? when this couple's leaving the center of God's activity, going to a mess, right? Remember that part, you know? And they're leaving what God was doing in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us once they recognize Jesus and put their trust in him, boom, they're getting up right away. No, no, we're getting back in the game. We're getting back involved with God's activity. We're gonna get back involved in community, back involved with God's people. The Bible says in 33 that they found the 11 disciples and those who were with them gathered together. They didn't waste any time. And church, I just want to encourage you today. Maybe for you today, that's your decision point too. Sometimes we think, well, I'll think about it. I'll kind of dwell it over. Maybe God is wanting you to say, no, no, this very hour, right now, make some decisions about the Lord today. Maybe for some of you here today, you've been following Jesus for a long time and You've been Christians maybe for a long time, and this can happen to many people, but perhaps over the course of time, maybe because of some hurt or like we mentioned earlier, some discouragement in life, you've kind of drifted from a close walk with Jesus. Maybe you've stopped sharing so openly with Jesus like you once did. Maybe there's reasons for that, some hurts that are going on, but I just want to encourage you today, if you feel far from God, Know that he's nearer to you than he's, than just as now as he's ever been. That you are significant to God. That he's working even when you don't see it. That he's not afraid of your discouragement or disappointment. And he invites us to put our hope the only place where it ought to be, which is in him. What would that look like for you today? to put your hope in Jesus in a new and fresh way today. In your work situations, maybe with some area of sin in your life, maybe in a relationship or a marriage. I think for this couple, getting back in the game and and beginning to follow Jesus in this sort of way, it certainly looked like being involved in the church. I mean, it really meant that because that's exactly what going back to Jerusalem, meeting up with the 11 disciples, being in community was all about, reconnecting with the church. Maybe for you, it's this step to say, man, I've I've kind of been on the sidelines with my church for a while, but I want to start getting engaged and and get back in the game, perhaps with serving or with giving. Um, Maybe it's with a community group. I know that even today, like a membership class has been happening. Maybe for you here today, your first time in church, maybe in a long time, was at McKelligan Canyon, and you're a little disappointed because you're like, oh, I thought we'd meet at McKelligan every week, you know? But, but you're kind of like, you started there, and now you're here, and you're thinking to yourself, maybe for you, the decision point that you get to make this very hour and that God wants you to make this very hour is say, you know, I'm going to just commit to being back here next week. Like maybe that's your, your decision today is next week I'm coming back, and the week after, and the week after, and I'm going to see what God does in my life as I'm even just more connected with his church. Maybe for some of you today, we talk about getting back in the game, and that's almost like a foreign concept because you would say, well, 
Chaplain, I don't know that I've ever been in the game. Like, I don't know if I've ever made a decision to put my faith in Jesus. And so hearing about that is sort of a foreign concept for you. I love this passage today because this couple, they were with Jesus, you know, and they recognize him. He vanishes. And the very next thing they say to one another is they say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and when he opened to us the scriptures? And I bring that up today because maybe you're here today and you would say, I've never been a person that like trusted Jesus with my life. I've never made that decision. But as I've heard these scriptures, as I've heard about the risen Savior, as I realize I have sin issues in my life, there's been something in my heart that's just been burning within me as I've been hearing this. Like like I need to make a decision about something. And I just want to encourage you I believe that that burning in your heart is the Holy Spirit inviting you into a relationship. Maybe you're here today and you just thought, no, no, God would never want anything to do with me because of all the wrong things I've done. This couple was going the wrong way and that's when Jesus met with them. And so maybe for you here today, there's been something on your heart that says, man, I feel like God's drawing me to him. You know, you might be wondering, well, how do I do that? How do I respond to this burning of my heart? And I'll tell you, we're going to have a moment to pray in just a moment here. And when we pray, I'm going to just give an opportunity. It's it's really this decision to say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins and that you rose again. Would you lead my life from here on forward? We're going to have a moment to pray in just a moment. I just want to encourage you as we enter into a time of prayer, Easter is real. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. He did rise again. You can have a relationship with Jesus. He invites you into that today. He gives, he, he gives forgiveness for your past. He gives you a new heart that has new desires and things that are of God. And he gives you hope for your future. Friends, would you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, that is our heart. We just thank you for your work at the cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us all the way to the cross. Lord, you you did. While While we were sinners, you died for us. So Lord, maybe there's somebody here who's in earshot of my voice and they just, their heart's been burning just like we read. I heard the scriptures. I heard about this risen Savior. I've always been skeptical of it, but there's something burning in my heart right now. Your word says that that couple, that very hour, they got up, they went back to Jerusalem, got back in the game. Maybe for somebody here today, your heart's burning within you. It's because the Holy Spirit is drawing you and inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. It's like we shared just a moment ago. How do I step into that relationship? we're praying right now. And so if you're here, just in your heart, really, I want it to, just like we said, be sincere between you and the Lord. If that's you, 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 just in your own way, in your own heart, you don't got to say it out loud or anything. But just say between you and the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I realize I've been going the wrong way and it's not ended well for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming to me in the midst of this wrong direction and you're inviting me to change course. 
I'm sorry for my sin, Lord. And I believe, I believe that you died on the cross, not only just to overthrow some oppressive empire, but Lord, you died on the cross to deal with the source of the issue, which is my wayward heart. Lord, would you give me a new heart? Change my desires. Lord, I want you to save me, but not only be my savior, I want you to be my king too. I want to follow you. So Lord, would you lead my life from here on forward? I'm done, I'm done my own way. I want to get on God's way. Lord, would you lead my life from here on forward? If that's you here today and you pray that, and I mean, it's just in your heart, it's, it's that sincere relationship with Jesus. If you pray that today, the Bible says you enter into God's family. That's good news, everybody. Maybe you've been here a long time. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And today is kind of not about maybe making a decision of faith, but maybe today is about sort of you've been on kind of a, kind of a d- distant relationship with God for a while now. And God is inviting you to say, no, 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 let's get back in the game. Friday wasn't game over. Friday was the start of new life. And maybe there's some areas of your life that you need God to resurrect, that you need God to pour some hope into. Let me encourage you, lean into your relationship with God. And Lord Jesus, that's my prayer today for us, that we would lean into you our relationship with you, that we would put our hope in the only one that hope ought to be put in, which is you, Lord Jesus. That's what we want to do today. And so for everybody in your shout of my voice making those decisions, thank you, Jesus, that you hear every prayer, that there's no prayer too small, that you love even us. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, hey, church, let me invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to close and respond with a time of worship. Let's sing this next song with everything in us. Thanks so much.